Well, listen, this morning, I just want to, honestly, I just want to kind of continue off of last week's message, um, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last weekend, we had just an incredible time. How many of you were here and just enjoyed last weekend? Okay, six of you. Good. The rest of you forgot already. Dang. Um, But we had a great time. We had about 10, anywhere from 10, 15, maybe 20 people got filled with the Holy Spirit last weekend praying in tongues, and just great things were going on, and it was just a good time. It was a good, a good touch of God, a good touch of the power of God, and, and, and I really enjoyed it. And in fact, even in the men's Bible study Wednesday morning, uh, I didn't know it, but Daniel was coming with a word for, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit just to kind of uh, take off from where I preached on Sunday. And even before he opened up with his, his message that morning, we were already discussing what had happened. So it was an open discussion about what, what happened Sunday and what, and, and, and so we had this discussion going on about five or six of us men at six o'clock on a Wednesday morning. It's got to be God if you're there and you're awake and you're talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but we were, and, and, and it was a great moment. And in that moment is where I got today's message from, because a lot of times churches want you to get filled with the Holy Spirit, but then they never tell you what to do next. You follow me? It's kind of like, okay, great, I got this gift, now what? The now what part is one of the most important parts, right? So God wants to, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not a weird and kooky thing. It's actually a real and very simple thing. When God fills you with his power, when he fills you with his spirit, he now gives you power to overcome your flesh. You remember my story about me and my, my best friend trying to quit cussing and, and we agreed that any time one of us heard the other one cuss, we'd get the free shot on the arm of the next person and how it just didn't work. Because every time he'd hit me, I'd cuss again. So, you know, you can try to overcome yourself. You can try to overcome your flesh in your own strength. Or you can use the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome your flesh. Amen. To overcome that sinful nature we've been talking about. And so being baptized in the Holy Spirit gives you that power. It's God filling you, baptizing you with his Holy Spirit to have power to be a witness, to produce fruit, to overcome yourself. Come on, somebody to use the gifts that he gives you, his spiritual gifts. That's all available to you. So so if you if you look at it from my standpoint this morning i go okay man god thank you for last week that was incredible we got 10 to 15 maybe 20 people got filled with the holy spirit praise god i can't stop there today we got to keep going you follow me because if i just jump to another subject today then some people are left wondering so let me tell you what normally happens when something like last week happens is you'll usually get one or two or three, maybe a handful of people that'll go, man, that, you, you may get a text message afterwards. You may get a phone call. Sure enough, my wife got a text message afterwards after Sunday's meeting. And this girl that was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she received the gift of tongues. And, and she, she just texts my wife. She goes, okay, I'm confused. Um, it just sounds like ba 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 ba. Did I really get it? And my wife wasn't in the room, so I grabbed her phone and I read her text message because she reads mine. (laughs) And I answered the girl back. I said, girl, you got it. You got it and you just need to keep using it. 
That's the exact same way I started. And you just keep using it. So what I told her was, is don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to the excuses of the enemy. Don't walk in fear and doubt. Believe that you've received it and go forward with it. Amen. So that's what normally happens. So if you don't ever come back around afterwards and say, hey, this is what's next. Then I think you leave people hanging. So this morning, I don't want to leave you hanging. Is that okay? If I don't leave you hanging. So the title of my message this morning is now what? I'm horrible with titles. Forgive me. I like to keep things simple. Now what? <laughs> so what do we do now? I want to go to the book of Acts chapter 2. And I want to show you straight from scripture what's supposed to happen next. Point number one is this. When God fills a man, he fills the room. When God fills a man, he fills the room. Let me show you something in Acts chapter 2. You're going to get this. So Acts chapter 2 starts in verse 1. He says, on the day of Pentecost, and I read this to you last week, they were all together. Basically, 120 of believers were together in this one building place. The Bible's not real specific. I don't know if it was a house or a, or, or a commercial building or a temple or whatever it was, but there was 120 people together. They had just finished setting order in the church. Remember, they lost... Uh, Judas, because Judas betrayed Jesus and went and killed himself, so they wanted to replace him with another apostle. So they, they cast lots, and they, they, they started restructuring and ordering the church because their instructions were to stay in Jerusalem until the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes. Okay, that was Jesus' last words to him was to stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave. Just stay there. Until the promise comes. So they did. They stayed there. And while they were staying there, they went ahead and just set order in the church. And they were just doing normal, everyday things. And the Bible says that suddenly, something like a Russian mighty wind. The message translation says, gale force winds. We're familiar with gale force winds, right? Gale force winds come rushing into the building. And it says that, that every person in that room was filled with the Spirit of God. And every person in that room started praying in tongues. Think about that. They're just doing what they do. And suddenly, suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes in. So they're praying in tongues. Verse 3 says this, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone, verse 4, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed, saying things like, How can this be? These people are from Galilee. And yet they hear them, and yet we hear them speaking in our native languages. And then it gives a list of all the different languages or, or representations of cities and countries that they came from that they're hearing the languages in. Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. And you always got these in the crowd, verse 13. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, Oh, they're just drunk. That's all. They've just been drinking. (laughs) 
I love the next verse. <laughs> I just got to read it before I get, to, I'll get back to it later. But it says, this, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. He's like, it's only nine in the morning. We don't start that yet. <laughs> so somebody could have shouted, it's five o'clock somewheres. So the spirit falls on the 120 believers in that place and they start praying in tongues out loud. And you got to get this. Everybody in the city heard it. It it actually says that everyone came. When God fills the man, God fills the room. So one of the things you need to expect to happen now is that because God has filled you with his spirit and with power, he's now going to fill your room. He's now going to bring some people into your life. In other words, he's going to draw a crowd. Don't run the crowd off. God sent them there. Just like God sent this these people here. Now, let me, let me give you a, just a, a practical example. There's about 120 to 40 people in this building today. Okay? If we all stood up and at the top of our lungs screamed as loud as we could, do you think all of Eunice would come running? <laughs> Somebody got faith. Come on. <laughs> but think about that. 120 people were just praying in tongues out loud. And thousands of people came. God drew them there. God drew them there. Are you seeing this? Why did God draw them there? Because God wanted the 120 to give the thousands what they just received. Right? That's what he wanted to happen. You see, he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to fill you with his Holy Spirit just for you to keep it to yourself. So that you and your little household can be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring a crowd into your life. When I was in England, there was a, the first church we went to uh, was a church in Enfield, England, and it, it's a um, very charismatic church. The guy, man, he and I just hit it off. We stayed at their house. And, and it's in the city. And, and, and there, it, in that town, it's hard to find property. It's hard to find property with space. And they, so they got this building. And it's just this long, built a lot like ours. It's just a long, narrow building. And it's sandwiched between this big old church that had been there for hundreds of years and an old abandoned hotel. And, I mean, it's, it's like literally sandwiched. And so God miraculously gave them the building. And so they've been having church in there for two or three years now. And I mean, when they have church, man, they have church. They got some little kid off the street playing the bass and the speakers are crying stop. I mean, it's just as loud as you can imagine. And they don't care. Well, the guy, the, the, the pastor next door sleeps at the church. So he starts sending letters and calling the police on the church next door because they're too loud. Something just ain't right about that. So before you know it, people start leaving the church next door to come to this church because something's drawing them there. 
Listen, I don't know about you, but before I was saved, I was the loudest, proudest guy in the room. One of the images that stick in my mind, I was at a bar in Lake Charles, standing on the steps, singing this song with a whole crowd of people singing my guts out. And to this day, I'm still embarrassed. Is that supposed to change when you get saved? Right? There was something alive in that church and it began to draw people to it. You see, God's looking for a good representation of himself because God is alive and he wants us to be alive. He's not looking for dead people. When he saved you, he rose you from the grave. Come on. When he filled you with his spirit, he set you on fire and gave you some life. Amen. So number one, when God fills a man, he fills the room. Number two, the disciples preached the word or they preached to the crowd. Watch this in verse 14. All of a sudden, these people show up and they're saying these things and they're freaking out because they're hearing all these different languages. And these Galileans are speaking all of their different languages. And watch this. Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see is predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. So Peter, he's in the crowd praying with the other apostles and the other people in the room. And the crowd comes and they start murmuring and talking. Peter, with the other 11, stands up, the Bible says, and begins to preach. Now, let me stop right here for a minute because you need to understand who Peter is at this point. You see, approximately 50-something days, plus or minus a few days before this, he was actually walking through the streets when Jesus was being arrested, telling people that I'm not with him, I don't know him, I've never met the man He's the same Peter that was denying Jesus three times and on the third time heard the rooster crow, which confirmed the prophecy that Jesus gave him, that you're going to deny me three times and at the third time you're going to hear the rooster crow. And even moments before he started denying Jesus, he was the one in the wilderness that cut a dude's ear off. And then watch Jesus reattach it. I've been like, I got to see that again. Let me cut this one off. (laughs) How's that work? (laughs) Can you do a toe too? <laughs> this is Peter. Peter whacks a dude's ear off. Jesus puts it back. Peter denies him three times. Peter was so distraught and so condemned that he left the ministry that day. The Bible says Peter went back fishing. He quit. I'm done. I've blown it. I've gone too far. I made too many mistakes. I'm too unclean. I'm too this and I'm too that. I can't. I can't measure up. I'm not worthy. That's the same Peter that on the day of Pentecost, when he gets filled with the Holy Spirit of God, stands up on a stage and begins to preach. You see, what this is all about is God's redeeming power. Jesus, when he, is, when he, when he rose from the grave, he goes and he, he shows himself to the disciples. And the first person he asked for is Peter. Where's Peter? Go get Peter. Somebody go get Peter. You see, there was nobody else in the disciples like Peter. Peter was rebuked more than anybody else. Peter was called Satan. 
Jesus called him Satan. Peter said some of the stupidest things in the world. Peter's there with, with all these heavenly hosts, and he has to stand up and say something. Ruins the whole thing for everybody. But Peter was also the only one that asked Jesus if he could walk on water too. Right? Peter stands up and starts to preach, and 3,000 people that moment got saved. You see, some of you didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit last week because you're sitting here in your self-doubt and your self-pity and you're saying, woe is me, and you're listening to what the enemy says, that you're too rotten, you're too sickful, you're too sinful, you got too much junk in your trunk, and, and God, you, you, you just cannot deserve what God has for you. And because of that, you left last weekend empty-handed. When's the last time you cut somebody's ear off? <laughs> that means Mike Tyson still has hope, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> hey, I'm still believing for Mike. <laughs> if you could get Mike to knock out devils like he was knocking out people in the ring, dear Jesus. Hey, I'm believing for Mike. I like Mike. I don't know where that came from. Preach to the crowd. Preach to the crowd is what is what the disciples did. They started preaching to the crowd. What next is start to preach to the crowd. So so when you're filled with the spirit of God, God fills your room. He brings a crowd and he brings them to you to preach to them. Not the Bible beat them, not to condemn them. Preaching can actually be giving life to somebody. It doesn't always have to be hell, fire and brimstone. It can be that you can be forgiven and God loves you and you can live. Come on, somebody. And you can be free. He says to preach to the crowd. So here's the deal. When God sends the crowd to you, he's trusting you with the crowd. You got to see it that way. He's trusting you with the crowd. Romans 10, 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You see, words need to come out of your mouth. You need to preach the gospel. It doesn't mean that you have to go and prepare a doctrinal like sermon for the crowd when they come. Peter had no clue what was going to happen that day. Peter didn't have his iPad ready with a sermon. Peter had no clue that a crowd was coming. Nobody did. They just showed up, stayed where Jesus said to stay. The Holy Spirit filled them. God brought the crowd and something now that is inside of Peter that wasn't in him before caused him to rise up and begin to preach. You can show up somewhere and not ever know you're going to preach and give the best message of your life. That should free you up to witness at any time. That should free you up to preach the gospel at any time. You don't have to be prepared. You don't have to have a message. You don't have to have a sermon. You got a message. Your message is your story and what God's done in your life. Amen. And people will listen to your story today more than they will listen to the Bible. Come on. How can they know? 
unless someone tells them. Here's something you need to write down. If we'll be good stewards of the first crowd, he'll give us another crowd. Because you see, when I read the book of Acts, it starts in chapter 2 and 3. 3,000 people get saved here. Well, a couple chapters later, the same thing happens again, and 5,000 now belong to the church. And then a little while later, families start getting saved. A little while later, jailers start to get saved. Come on, somebody. A little while later, little demonic girls that were running around doing all this um, uh, psychic stuff, she gets saved. Things start happening. If you'll be a good steward of the first crowd, God will trust you with the next crowd. Amen? You don't need to worry and fret about the first crowd. When they show up, you just stand up and open your mouth and watch the streams of living water flow from within you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible even says you don't even need to worry about what you're going to say. When it's time, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. You know what that does? That takes every excuse away from me not to address the crowd. Amen? The next thing we see, number three, is that they form a community. Go down to verse 42. This is what happened next. I'm just showing you from Scripture what happened next. In verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves. There are now 3,000. Let's back up to verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Verse 42, and all the believers, these 3,000 people now devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. If the baptism in the Holy Spirit is just for you, then you never see the crowd. And if you never see the crowd, you never get to the community. Amen. You see, God wants you to hang out with other believers. He wants you to form a community. Why? Why would he want that? Why would he want you to go eat at the other person's house? Even if they can't cook. Their gravy's not as good as yours. Why would he want you to sit down and break bread together? Why would he want you to talk about the teachings? Why would he want you to talk about the miracles you've seen and all the things that are going on? Why? Because he knew good and well that there were going to be days when you didn't feel like you were saved. Days when you didn't feel like you were filled. And you was going to need to hear somebody else say, man, you should have been there today. Three people got saved at work today. Man, God is alive and well. Doing great things. Seen a guy, he had a headache. I prayed for him, his headache left right there. You need to hear that story. You know what that's called? It's called spurring along. The Bible calls us to spur one another along in love. You need community. 
You need people to be there for you. You need to be there for people. You need to encourage one another. You need to love one another. You know why? Because there's an enemy that's 24-7 reminding you of your past, reminding you that you're trash, reminding you that you don't add up, reminding you of who you are and who you used to be. You need somebody else to look at you and say, what's up, man of God? Somebody else to send you a text message. Man, you're my hero. I love you. You're awesome. Praise God. Thank you. Thank God for you. You need it. If you're lonely and you're saved, you're lonely for your own reasons. God's got a community for you to dwell in. A body of believers for you to become a part of. And in that body of believers, you can find everything that you need. The Bible says they were selling properties and possessions to give to each other as they had need. In fact, it even says that they, they, they couldn't find anybody who was lacking anything. You see, we're supposed to take care of one another because, why? because we're now a part of God's family. We're his family. Family sticks together through thick and thin. Family encourages one another. Family should never beat up one another. We should always build up one another. Right. See, I come from a family. They used to try to beat down each other. I married into a family that loves one another. My family, my, my wife's my wife and I's family is here today. My brother in law is here. My sister in law, my mother in law. I love this is my family. I mean, you know, you're in the right family when you go in and they serve you bluebell. <laughs> and it's like never ending. And they make you feel at home. Right. That's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be a part of a community. Man, they laughed together. They cried together. They rejoiced together. The Bible says there was an awe that came over them. You know where you find that awe? You find that awe in the community. When you start, listen, I love to hear people's stories. Because it makes me go, oh, that's cool. I love to hear people say, man, pastor, we were struggling financially. And man, last second, God came through. I go, oh, man, that's good. Praise God. I love telling other people's stories. You find that in community. You don't find that when you're all by yourself. Right? God didn't call you to be a loner. He called you into his family. Here's the cool thing that that family was so attractive that people were added to it every day. That family environment was so attractive that people were added to it every day. People need to be jealous of what you got. They need to be jealous of your church family. You need to brag on your church family. People that are lonely need to go, man, I want church family. Well, come on, you can have some church family too. The Lord added, what did he add to? He added to their fellowship. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some. We should never forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Should never pass up opportunities to be with other believers. My pastor constantly challenges me. If you're going to laugh yet by yourself, grab a man and bring him with you. 
Don't ever go by yourself. Always bring somebody with you. The Lord was adding to the fellowship. He added to the fellowship. He didn't just save people around them. He added to the fellowship. Are you getting this? You got this? Form a community. Number four, my last point. Heal the sick. So, oh, Pastor, that all sounded good to you. You want me to pray for somebody and heal, heal them? I can't heal nobody. You're right. You can't. But the spirit that lives inside of you can. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave that lives inside of you and is alive and well can heal somebody. God just needs you to transfer some of that power to somebody else. Amen. Watch this in chapter three. This is the very next story. All the believers were together. They, they, God was, the Lord was adding to their fellowship. Watch this verse three, chapter three, verse one. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he could beg from people going into the temple. That would be like somebody dropping a dude off in the front sidewalk. And, and every Sunday morning when you come into church, he would be begging for money. You getting this? That's what happened. So Peter and John were on their way to the prayer meeting. Verse 3, when Peter saw, when Peter, when he saw Peter and John, he about to enter, he, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Peter didn't say we didn't have any silver and gold. He said, I don't have any silver and gold for you. Because the man didn't need silver and gold. It wasn't going to get him walking. The man needed the power of God to heal him and touch him. That's what he needed. And Peter and John being led by the spirit just on their way to another fellowship. Run into a guy who's begging for money and they see in the eyes of the spirit that he doesn't need money. He needs a healing from God. And they instead of giving him money, because you see, the easier thing to do is to pull out your wallet and give him some money. You don't have to be led by the spirit to do that. Right. You don't have to step out in faith. You don't have to pray for somebody. You don't have to embarrass yourself. Right? This is the gate where everybody's walking in. There's all kind of traffic around. There's all kind of people around. Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have it for you, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And he talks to the problem. Get up and walk. He didn't, he didn't pray some 20-minute prayer. Oh, Lord, thou God. On heaven and earth, please heal this man. Get up and walk. You see, there's people dying and waiting for you to walk into their life and say, get up and walk. They're hurting. They're desperate. Get up and walk. You see, when God fills a man, he fills the room. When he fills the room, he wants us to preach to the crowd. When the crowd comes and forms a community, out of that, you run into people, and God wants you to start healing people. You see, the reason people are getting tired with church is because they're not seeing enough things happening. But I think it's because we got confused and we thought it's only supposed to happen at Sunday morning at 10 o'clock between 10 and 12, and not the other six, seven days of the week. 
God's like, I don't want to demonstrate my power just in these four walls. I want to demonstrate it at the gate called Beautiful where everybody and their mama's walking around. He's looking for somebody that's not going to be ashamed to step up and pray for somebody. He's looking for somebody that's not going to be embarrassed to, to lay their hand on somebody and say, get up and walk. That's what he's looking for. No shame. Get up and walk. It's not my issue if they don't get up and walk. You see, we worry too much about the outcome. What if they don't get up and walk? Well, that sounds like that's God's problem. That's not your problem. But I look like a fool. You look like a fool your whole life. What changed? You've been a fool the whole time. Why are you worried about it now? Won't you step out and do something to see if the power of God can't touch somebody? Come on, you got to get this one. Because let me tell you, this is the day and age we're living in today. People don't want to hear you preach. God's going to bring a crowd and he's going to let you preach to them. And some are going to come to Christ, but not all of them because people are tired of hearing preaching. It's time for them to see demonstration. It's time for people to get an encounter with God. It's time to stop hearing about God and it's time to start encountering God. Brother Keith said something when I was in England with him. He said this and man, it nailed me. And honestly, it's, it's one of the statements that I, it'd be a life statement for me because it, it just messed me up. And I'm going to give it to you because I want you to get messed up too. I don't like to be messed up by myself. He said this and he, he talks like this. His voice is shot. He goes, <laughs> one morning he woke us up. He comes into the room. This is kind of how he talks. He goes, Dear God, boys. People in this world dying and going to hell and y'all in here sleeping. I mean, wake up to that. So he, we're sitting, we're in a meeting and he says something. I just had to start writing notes and he goes, you owe the people in your congregation an encounter with God. You owe them that. You know what that did to me? That put some responsibility on me. It didn't condemn me. It challenged me. It's making me want to rise up because I owe you an encounter with God. Just like you owe the crowd an encounter with God. You see, you got to be a little indignified. You got to be not afraid to be embarrassed or to look like a fool to give people an encounter with God. You got to step out of your comfort zone. Amen. You owe the crowd an encounter with God. That's what the disciples did. They're walking by the guy. He's begging for money. He doesn't even want an encounter with God. He doesn't even know he needs an encounter with God. He just happens to get one. Boom. Never walked in his life. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand. And helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. (laughs) You see, when you have an encounter with God, you don't care what you look like. You quit caring about what people think. 
And you start concerning yourself with what God's thinking. This dude got healed. And he stands up and he starts jumping. Woo! And then he's leaping. And praising God. Praise God! Praise God! Just hope my shirt stayed down. Did it stay down, baby? She's watching for that. Okay. Praise God! Praise God! This guy's going nuts. He's in public. He's at the gate. Verse 9, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was a lame beggar, they had, to, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all, every one of them, rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. After Peter and John step out and pray for this man. And he starts leaping and going nuts. What does God do? He draws the crowd. He draws a crowd. Very next verse. Peter saw his opportunity and preached again. If you're faithful with the first crowd. God will give you another crowd. All you got to do is stand up and open your mouth and let God do what he's going to do. Don't ever be ashamed to stand up and open your mouth and let the streams of living water flow from within you because you're going to give life to the crowd. I said you're going to give life to the crowd. You see, if they never pray for this man, the crowd never comes. If the crowd never comes, nobody hears the preaching. If nobody hears the preaching, nobody comes to Jesus. All those people that day, chances are going to die and fry. Right? But because they step out and they pray for the man and he goes nuts, it had nothing to do with them. It was just a transfer of power. When you grab somebody and you tell, hey, Mesha, headache, leave. Rash, be gone. Come on. Pain, leave. If you're speaking by the Spirit, it's got to go. It's got to go. You see, when God fills you, He wants to use you. The problem with the church is that we like to get filled. Oh, God, fill me. Fill me, please. Fill me. Shut up. up, 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 up. And we go home and we feel good. And a lot of people felt good last weekend. But this ain't alcohol. It's not there just to make you feel good. It's not a joint. That when you smoke it, you feel good. This is the spirit of the living God. The very same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. The one that brought him to life is now bringing you to life. And all he wants you to do is to take the spirit that you got inside of you and give it to somebody else. 
The problem is we keep it to ourselves. We keep it right here. And we go, it's for me. It's mine. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I'm guilty. For years I've done that. Praying in the Holy Ghost just for myself. Moving the gifts of the Spirit just for people that I like. He's called us to live beyond ourselves. It's not about you. When he saved you and he filled you, you got everything you need. You don't need anything else. Healing is yours. Deliverance is yours. Freedom is yours. Power is yours. Peace is yours. Come on, somebody needs peace this morning. Peace is yours. If you're living a life and there's no peace, you need to remind the devil that you owe. I deserve peace. Because it was given to me. You got everything you need. You don't need anything else. You really don't. Outside of fellowship with other believers, you don't need anything else. Why? Because you're full. You're full. So, Pastor, what about when I feel empty? Well, just ask him. He'll fill you back up. You know, I guarantee you when Peter and John finished that meeting, after they weren't even expecting this to happen, I mean, they're just going on about life, doing what they do. And all of a sudden, they touch a guy, he starts walking and going crazy, and then there's a crowd that they got to contend with. You see, you can't schedule a moment like that. I'm sorry, but you can't schedule an encounter with God. You just got to expect it, and when you see it, you walk into it. Amen? You just walk into it. You don't need to theorize it. You don't need to overly process it. You just walk into it. If something in your head goes, this might be God, step into it. Amen? They had no clue what they were going through. I guarantee you at the end of that day, they both went home almost empty. Because you see, that's what happens. We need to continually be filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because we're constantly pouring it out and dumping it out. We should be like a water bottle. I need a water bottle. Somebody give me a water bottle. Like a water bottle. If it was full, boy, I wish it was full today. I'd spray my brother-in-law. But he, he, you got your, you're full of living water, and, and you're going around, and he wants to send people next to you to bump you, and you go, and you, and you spill a little bit of water here and, and all that. And he wants you to pour it out. You got that, right? He wants you to pour it out. But here's the thing. You're the vessel. He wants to refill you. And he can refill you like that. He wants to refill you. Sorry about the glasses. (laughs) I hate it when that happens. So here's the thing. If this bottle never gets opened and no one ever drinks it, what happens to it? You remember the hurricanes? All those, those stupid little white cans of water. I can't tell you how many cases of the white, just plain white cans had one little thing. I said water. You got 18 wheeler loads of, of water cases on pallets. I can't tell you how many I unloaded. I hate them. You know why I hate them? Because they all stayed around. Nobody drank them. You know what happened to them? They went bad. They went bad. But if you'll pour it out, 
and let God fill it back up, it stays fresh. Come on. It stays fresh. You see, people like fresh water. Nobody likes tainted water or dirty water. They want fresh water. You get filled, you pour out. You get empty, you get filled again. You pour out again. You keep going. It's just an everyday thing. This is the way we're meant to live. We're supposed to live this way every day. You don't do it in shifts. You don't go, you don't punch in and punch out. You're always in because you're always reaping benefits and always reaping rewards that you're going to get when you get to heaven. Peter and John got credit for the, for the lame guy at the gate called beautiful. Every day you don't take off. This is what you're here for. That's why God doesn't want it just to happen inside the church. Right? It's nice when it happens. I quite enjoy it. The problem is is nobody else comes to Christ. That wasn't with Christ before. (laughs) Remember the time, I I love you, Miss Mary. I love Miss Mary, big time. Miss Mary is my, my grandmother hero. Yeah, I guess I could say it like that. Miss Mary will call me up sometimes. When somebody needs prayer, see the lady sitting next to Miss Mary, Miss Cricket? Me and Miss Mary prayed for Miss Cricket. Miss Cricket's here because we prayed for her because Miss Mary called me to pray for Miss Cricket. And we prayed together. Praise God, Miss Cricket. We talked about that this week. Miss Mary calls me up one day. She says, Brother. Well, that's when it's serious. <laughs> Brother, we need to go pray for this guy at the hospital. I can't go, but you go. So she was after me all week to go pray for this guy. I just couldn't get there. Finally, so I'm coming to pick you up. We're going to pray for this guy. And we, I pick her up in Iota, and we drive to Crowley. He's at the hospital in Crowley. And we walk in, and they got some family members in there. And she doesn't know the family members too good, but she's real good friends with the guy that's laying in the ICU room, basically dying. And we're standing there and kind of small talking. I don't know anybody. Miss Mary's kind of small talking. And she gets quiet and finally this lady gets the hint. You know, sometimes people don't get the hint. Finally, she walks out. Miss Mary goes, brother, let's seize the moment. I mean, just like that. She's like, seize the moment. I was like, oh, shoot, man. What the heck are we doing? I'm like, we, we, we picking him up and carrying him out. I mean, what we, t- tell me what I need to do. She's like, let's pray. So I'm, I'm standing there. She's here. His head's over there. His feet are here. And I. I grab him on the legs. This dude's unconscious. I grab him on the legs and we start, Lord, I pray you heal this man. Lord, I pray this. I pray that. And she's praying and we're both praying. And all of a sudden his leg goes. And I'm going. And Miss Mary's praying. I'm going. I almost needed a room. I didn't know what the heck happened. It was a blood pressure machine. Scared the mess out of me, man. I thought it was the power of God. I was like, Ooh. I was like, it's working. It's working. <laughs> right, Miss Mary? <laughs> we laughed about that on the way home. <laughs> Love that story. I never knew they put blood pressure machines on your legs. <laughs> Nobody ever told me. Circulation. My wife corrected me. Man. I up my prayer right there. I was like, Lord, 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 touch him, Lord, touch him. 
whole time his blood was circulating, but hey, something happened. <laughs> the thing I love about that story is it got me out of my comfort zone. You see, the thing Miss Mary realizes is that when you've lived as long as she has and God showed up as much as he has in her life, she realized one of the secrets to life. It matters more what God says than what people say. So what what people say? So what what they think? It has no heavenly Balance. It has no, no heavenly affections or in, uh, results. What people think, what God thinks is what matters. And as long as God is proud of you, you don't need to try to please anybody else. Amen? You might have grown up and never heard good job. But if you're walking by faith and doing what God wants you to do, he's looking at you going, good job. In fact, he's got a crowd that's looking over you going, come on, you got this. They were laughing when I touched that machine. They knew what was going to happen. They might have set me up. They might have been up there cracking jokes. Look at this one. Oh, freak him out. <laughs> we got to learn to seize the moments. We need to expect the moments. We need to expect an encounter with God to happen at any moment. Any moment. Any time. We owe the crowd an encounter with God. We do. You got to have the attitude. I'm either going to be a hero or a zero. Right? But I'm going for it. And for some of you, it's going to be your first time. It's like the first time you try to jump off of a diving board at the public pool. You were there and you were like... And all your friends are saying, go, go, I am. So what? Just jump. Amen? Just jump. I'll give you one last verse, and then then the worship team can come back up. Or Daniel can, if he's not wiping his glasses off. Virginia, you come up. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. It's Jesus talking to his disciples. He said this. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy. And cast out demons. Here's the, here's the key. Give as freely as you've received. The only requirement for the power of God to, to baptize you is that you're saved and you're forgiven of your sins. That's the only thing that's required. That's it. As freely as it's been given to you, give it also to others. Give as freely as you've received was Jesus' words to his disciples. He said, guys, don't hold back. Don't hold back. You didn't have to jump through hoops for this. You didn't have to do cartwheels or stand on your head. You didn't have to be perfect for this. Peter, 
it, listen to me. If Peter can be filled with the Spirit of God, so can you. Amen. If Peter can be forgiven and redeemed, so can you. You've not gone too far. You've not done too much for him to redeem you. And when he redeems you, you just turn around and start redeeming others. Amen. You stand up with me this morning. I want to pray for you.